You're with SAFM, just about news at 8 o'clock. Let's play part one of a three-part interview I do with News Sports 24 writer Sibusiso Mjikiliso. We're talking about cricket. Okay, uh, I've got your article in front of me here, CSA President Chris Nanzani. I regret agreeing to stay for another year. Let's get some background on this. What is going on at Cricket South Africa? Oh, well, what isn't going on at Cricket <laughs> yes. South Africa is a, is a real question you should be asking. Uh, well, I mean, Chris Nanzani says he regretted taking the year. Um, well, not taking, accepting a year. Now, this, there's something very critical you must note in this phrasing is that he says it was the board that approached him to have the extra year. Now, Nanzani, according to constitutional rules, was supposed to have vacated his position um, when his two terms uh, expired last year. So as president, you get um, two, three-year terms. And Nanzani's expired uh, last year. Now, they, they flouted the Constitution to, to allow him to stay. That was the first mistake. And then the other mistake is, of course, well, they didn't really get bang for buck in terms of right. that year. So it was an error on the members' council part. And um, I think there was a, a story done by IOL. I think it was Zahir, a uh, friend of mine, Zahir, who's also a journalist, uh, who, said, who, who spoke to Arun Logart that you know, the members' council is really turkeys that won't vote for Christmas. That's basically who the <laughs> members' council are. So, so if you if you ask them to sort of vote one of theirs out of position, mm. you're really, really asking for turkeys to vote Christmas uh, into law kind of thing. So, but long story short, Nenzani um, had an extra year, constitutionally not allowed to have had, but he had it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And what a calamitous year it's been. And um, there were talks, rumors, corridor whispers, what have you, that he wanted to then succeed um, to be the successor in, in the ICC chairman position, uh, which, of course, internationally is coveted at the moment and is vacant. Okay, a lot, a lot to unpack there. First of all, like you say, they voted wrong. Does, is, is there thinking behind it? Do we know why it was, the, or they broke their own constitution? Uh, we don't. I mean, look, there were resignations plenty. I mean, there were two board, board um, non-independent, what, no, sorry, independent director vacancies at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cricket was a little shaky. Um, but still, it, it, it should not have been allowed. It's, it, there's no justification for, for, for a third term if it's not constitutionally allowed. And you must remember that there's a lot of other constitutional changes that, that ought to be passed but haven't been passed. So why would that jump straight to the head of the queue? I mean, a changing of president doesn't necessarily mean... Um, the, the organization gets overhauled. I mean, yeah. if you've got plans, you've got policies, you've got everything that, that you've laid in place, mm. your six years, your mandated six years is enough to, to, to let someone else take over and move on. And I think we might have missed out on a lot of capable people that might have taken over. Who knows? You can't say for sure. Mm. Um, there, were, there were perceptions that Jack Madison might take over, who was the president at the Lions um, during a, you could say, successful period, taking over from Tabang Murwe. Um, there were, you know, Tando Ganda, uh, Dr. Uh, Gakhisang uh, at, at Northwest. 
Um, uh, so there, there were about three or four members, council members that could have ran for that position and taken over and certainly not have done worse than Chris Nenzani did in the extra year. So mm-hmm. I can't see any justification as to why the members council allowed that. Mm. Who, just so I understand, who's in charge of CSA? In other words, who, who would CSA answer to? <laughs> well, they answer to their members council, to their provinces. So, right. And they, they answer to SASCOC and SASCOC okay. answers to parliament. But whether that, that, that chain of custody is really followed, that's mm-hmm. an argument for another day. But the members council is basically all 12 presidents of the 12 affiliates. So your Northerns, Northwest, Northern Cape, Western Province, Easterns, uh, Eastern Cape, you know, Border, KZN, Lions. Um, so all of those, they form the members council. Um, they are the biggest decision-making body in cricket. Members Council has its own president. So the Members Council president is voted within. So he's the one that chairs meetings, Members Council meetings, and, and what have you. So he's basically the front man of the band. They, that used to be separate from who the, the, the president was. I think it only started being consolidated as one position. Um, it, now it's, there's three positions at that board level. So you get the Members Council president. You get the board, which has seven non-independent directors as well as five independent directors. And you need the chairman of the board. Now, the chairman of the board then becomes the president of Cricket South Africa. Now, what they did under Nanzani was consolidate president of the members council, chairman of the board, president of Cricket South Africa, one person. Uh, mm. That became Chris Nanzani. I mean, you could say it's fair, you know, maybe... The responsibilities are the same or they're similar, and they just wanted it on one person's portfolio. Fair enough. Um, but what they didn't have the right to do was to extend his CSA presidency, uh, his chairmanship as, as as the board member beyond what was constitutionally allowed. Sport 24, Media 24, cricket writer CBC Sumji Kaliso. We'll have a chat with him uh, and continue that conversation after the news at 8 o'clock. Sport Tracks on SFM with John Gerica. With John Gerica. Saturdays, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. Now, though, let's continue the chat I did yesterday with Sibusiso Mjekiliso, senior sports writer at Sport24. We're talking about cricket. My guest is Sabu Mjikiliso, senior sports writer at Sport24 Media24 as well. All right, Sabu, there's a new CEO of Cricket South Africa, and there's still ruckuses going on at the, at the union, I guess, Cricket South Africa. What is the way forward for, this, for, the, for them now? Ah, it's a, it's a long way forward. I think, um, I'll be honest, they haven't reached rock bottom yet. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> um. You'd really need to sort of take take a back seat and grab your popcorn for this one because a lot of skeletons are going to tumble out the closet mm. before the actual full cleansing process takes place, and and we we're going to hear exactly how Chris Nenzani has been running the, his, the operations at Cricket South Africa, and then and most of all we're going to hear exactly how. Uh, the Tabang More developments have been going. Um, those those are are coming down to to one hell of a thrilling finish, um, and as well as we're seeing that you know 
ex-employees, scorned employees, Nasser Apia, as well as Clive Exkin, mm. uh, they're going to court. Um, I was listening to Tabiso Musia's radio program the other day. Uh, a labor professional uh, called in while he was having a conversation with uh, acting president uh, Beresford Williams, saying that, you know, judging from what he's, he's, he's seen, South Africa's case at the labor court or, or maybe higher than that uh, might be compromised because of the fact that they undermine their own disciplinary independent panel mm-hmm. on the Nasea peer issue. So they then the independent panel suggested a warning or a lesser uh, sort of punishment for appear on his on his transgressions, and the board then took a, a heavier punishment by by putting in a dismissal to say no, he must be his contract must be terminated. Now, according to that professional, I mean, anyone can who, who also has you know that expertise can can come forward and explain to us that you know you, the board doesn't have it in their jurisdiction if they do appoint an independent panel to override that independent panel panel's recommendations because well they are the ones that have seen and heard the evidence from all sides. Um, it isn't up to the board to then, you know, override what has been already, you know, passed forward as a sanction from your independent panel. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, XT and Apia are all going to court. Tawang More, um, definitely a big fight is going to is going to tumble there. There's going to be a wrangle for seats at the AGM on the 5th of September. Um, definitely, there's going to be some contestations as far as. Uh, the the vacancy and and Parliament is has come in and 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 you know they want answers because they ran away this week saying that uh, the they weren't available for Friday's parliamentary briefing where they were supposed to give an update as to what's happening with the Tabang Mure debacle in the first place and what they're doing uh, about Black Lives Matter and mm. and all these things that are coming up and then you've also got uh, the aspersions that have been cast on the um, the, the the match fixing scandal, uh, if you remember, involving the, the predominantly Lions players yeah, yeah. from 2016. Yeah. yeah, you've got new testimony from guys like Alvaro Peterson, Tamitolekile, Lonobo Totobe, all of them casting doubt on the pro- process and the procedure that went in there. And the more I listen to, to them speak, um, and, and, and listen to Chris Nanzani speaking to Robert Marao the other day, the more I'm convinced that there could be a semblance of um, this case being reopened. Of course, it does need evidence for it to be reopened. We can't just use lip service and other people's testimony. They did sign confessions. Some of them did read out apologies in public. So we need that evidence. Forward. And and my bet is that it will come forward because they found a moment they found in the system. And 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 if I was banned for twelve years, mm-hmm. um, like Tammy Tolegile, can't coach, can't earn an income. Cricket is all I know, and I have the opportunity to get my ban overturned at the mm-hmm. very least. Um, I, I, I and I have the evidence to do that. I'll definitely come come forward with that evidence and 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 blow the whole case wide open. It, do, um, it does make you wonder why he hasn't done it before, though. You know, it's you, you. You also think maybe collective bargaining wasn't there before. Right. Um, maybe if they come together and say, "Look, guys, 
what have you got? Because because on Twitter, uh, Lonobo Totobe said, uh, you know, they didn't offer to pay me my lawyers. That's Saka. So 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 uh, Alberto Peterson revealed uh, to Robert that um, Saka had paid for his own lawyer that Alviro chose. Whereas uh, when it came to Lonobo, they said you you either take the lawyer we give you, or if you choose your own lawyer, you you have to pay for that lawyer yourself. And these are expensive legal fees. And and some of them are saying that they, they were coerced to accepting guilty pleas mm. in order to avoid criminal charges. Mm. So you don't know, like coercion is not, in, in the legal sense, it's not like, you know, uh, uh, trying to trick someone to go out on, on a date with you. It, it's a very, very serious implication to say that you were coerced into admitting guilt. That you are therefore then... Uh, saying that the entire process was corrupted by that coercion. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether they're guilty or not. That, that's why I'm saying that it's the evidence that they will present that will counter what we already know, which is that some of them were guilty of, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily fixing matches, but breaches of the ICC match-fixing code. So that is not reporting when you approached for 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 uh, a match fixing uh, that is you know uh, you have to blow the whistle so to speak uh, that's the code the code basically says if you're approached you have to blow the whistle if you keep quiet or even if you take money and don't report and don't fix the game you're still uh, in breach so so there's kind of sort of technicalities as to what they were found guilty of but the fact remains they need to then come with the evidence to counter what was then uh, said before. And maybe they didn't feel that they would be heard um, yes. if they came at any point between 2016 and now. Maybe they felt scorned. I mean, Tommy said he didn't have two cents to rub together. I mean, where is he going to go? Pick up the case and say, look, I'll review the evidence for you. Now we're hearing Lonobo Totobi's got two of the biggest lawyers in the country, Dalim Pofu and Kai Tombi, uh, looking into his case, you know, and they might be doing it pro bono because they feel that what they've heard, there might be enough to look into, you know. Uh, so they're using the moment, uh, which is well within their right, but they have to provide the evidence. The only real caveat here is that they have to give the evidence to counter what, what is already out there. Here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM 106.6 FM in Mangaung. Let's continue the final part of my conversation with cricket writer Sibusiso Mjikiliso. Uh, just to wrap it up, on, on top of all of that, you've got the Black Lives Matter issue. As you said, you know, that's related to the Black Lives Matter. See, on Thursday, Ashwell Prince, Vernon, and Philander raising their voices about things that have happened as well. Do you think that will be sorted? The cricketers are busy with their cultural camp at the moment. Is that the, okay, from your perspective, is that the right way to do it? Have a cultural camp, get people to understand, or is this much higher than that? Oh, no, it's way, way, way higher than that because you, you haven't dealt with, what happened in the past. You haven't dealt with um, that to the satisfaction of the people that went through it. Um, you haven't dealt with, you know, perhaps what, what, what that, the implications of that will have going forward. Now, my worry about the culture camp is that I hope it's not an attempt to in, uh, insulate or isolate the team away from the realities of what's going on because 
if they go to the culture camp and make resolutions of their own, and those resolutions aren't in sync with what the past players who have very real grievances about what happened, who are also trying to change the system, if those changes are not in sync, what you're going to have happen is that you're going to get those culture camp resolutions conflict with the Black Lives Matter resolutions from ex-players. Now, that day you're going to have a definite biting of heads, and then and then we're going to come to a situation where the current players are going to say, why are past things encroaching on our current careers? You know, um, or they might they might feel like, you know, uh, um, they want to take the team in a totally new direction. Mm. I think things need to be dealt with. Uh, uh, the, the past players, definitely things need to be dealt with there very, very swiftly and decisively. But there is no leadership to deal with it. I mean, there is the social justice uh, and nation building project that came out of the blue and an ombudsman, transformation ombudsman that also came out of the blue, but no, nobody knows how it will be funded. So there is that. That might provide the recourse and the, and, the, and, the, and the strategy towards how one moves forward. But I don't see how the culture camp, which for me is like the horse coming before, <laughs> or the cart coming before the horse, so to speak, you know. So great, great that, you know, they'll, they'll be able to go out there and, and, and have a nice like a bonding session. But I don't see how materially it's going to going to lead to policy changes because the ex-players, they, they, they want seats on the board, they want decision-making ability, they want to sit on the cricketing committee, they want to sit on the transformation committee, and, and those are big committees in, at board level that make real decisions. You, you make a culture camp, you, you're going to impact only what happens at the protest men's team. You're not yeah. going to impact what happens in the women's team. You're not going to impact the SA and the 19s. You're not going to impact development in the country. You're not going to impact provincial cricket, club cricket, amateur cricket, schools cricket. <laughs> so it, all these things need to be in sync. We can't have people in Skuza or Sakunda, I don't know where they are, are having their own decisions. And, and But again, I'm assuming because I'm not at the culture camp and the course. Sure. We're not privy to what's what's been said. I mean, if if this was a normal season, we would be looking at the Proteas' results and we'd be seeing, well, they're being affected by the off the field goings on. We don't have that opportunity now, so it, we we're not going to know what's going to happen to a the players and all the backroom staff for three or four months still. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part of it is that um, cricket's come to a grinding halt. There's supposed to be a women's tour, protest women's tour to, to the UK. Um, government vetoed that for reasons, honestly, I don't know. Um, the, the men's players somehow have been allowed to go play in the IPL in the Middle East, yeah. uh, which Pakistan. is also rather questionable. Pakistan can go to England, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, Pakistan can go to England, but it seems like we, we, can't, we can't allow women to go, but that's neither here you know, But I think if the protests were playing, we wouldn't have as much time and detail to pay attention to the real things. And we need this because yeah. what happened in the past is all these things were swept under the carpet. Players didn't really, I mean, you, 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 you're, you're harking back to um, Makayantini playing days mm. uh, because, you know, journalists didn't apply themselves. Uh, and I'm a journalist myself, so I know this. They didn't apply themselves as much to these issues because, you know, every Saturday there will be a game, and then you'd have to do go do the match report, and 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 the focus would drift as well. I mean, and then the public also public interest as well. 
in in the game would override what you're trying to do in in in, in, the, in the back and you don't seem like you're on some sort of witch hunt if you you know hop on these kind of things too long on transformation too long and on on, on administrative issues too long now there's the, there is no match to distract us there is no five day test match or, or anything of that sort to to distract us these things are really coming in the open and and it seems like the there's nothing more dangerous than an idle journalist yes. <laughs> uh, well i'm going to let you stop being idle chatting to me thank you very much for joining us and we look forward to reading more about these in-depth investigations you guys are doing no it's an absolute pleasure thanks for having me that was CBC Suram Jalikso, senior sports writer at Sport24 and Media24 as well. Go find some of his stories that are there.